Hello and welcome to The Coping Toolbox, a child psychology podcast hosted by clinical psychologists Dr. Layla Dan Osman, Dr. Mary Simray McDonald, and Dr. Jennifer Vrend. We hope that this podcast helps parents, children, and teens learn new coping skills in dealing with their stress and anxiety and to help strengthen relationships in their lives. everyone and welcome to another episode of the coping toolbox i'm dr jen and i'm joined today by my co-host dr layla and dr mary today we want to talk about a type of anxiety that almost all of us have experienced at some point we want to talk about test anxiety so dr mary can you tell us a little bit about why we feel nervous before a test and what's going on in our bodies Yeah, for sure. I would be happy to. Um, The first thing that I wanted to quickly mention is just that it's really important for us to normalize this experience because it is very normal for almost everyone to feel nervous before a big test or an exam. So we do want to remind ourselves of this. The other thing is that a certain amount of anxiety can actually help to motivate us. So, you know, that kind of optimal level of anxiety, it can drive us to feel energized. It can help keep us alert. It can help keep us focused. There's this sweet spot of anxiety where it helps us perform in an optimal way, but it doesn't end up interfering with our performance. When the anxiety starts to become too strong or too intense, that's when it can start to become impairing and it can start to negatively impact our performance. And this happens through things like blocking our thinking or feeding our negative thoughts or maybe causing a freeze reaction for us and really intense physical symptoms. So all that being said, our anxiety, ultimately, it is there to protect us. And, you know, there's an adaptive element to it. Often when it's present, it is letting us know that there's something important that matters to us. But we do want to try our best to keep the anxiety at that optimal level, just so that it's manageable for us and so that it's not impairing. Okay, great. So I guess another reminder that it's anxiety itself is not a bad thing. It's actually adaptive and it's there for a good reason, but it's all about managing that anxiety and it not getting out of control. So we have a number of episodes that go into great detail about anxiety, but Dr. Layla, can you briefly tell us a little bit about what happens when we're feeling anxious? Of course. So just like with other types of anxieties, when we're having test anxiety, our body is going through what we call a fight, flight, or freeze mode, where there's parts of our brain that get activated to help us fight danger. So in those moments, our bodies release certain hormones like adrenaline and cortisol that can actually cause physical changes in our bodies, um, which help us get ready to fight danger. So this flooding of hormones can cause certain symptoms in our bodies, um, such as racing heart, breathing faster, muscle tension, dry mouth, feeling like we're getting red in the face or hot in the face, for example. And as mentioned, these symptoms really help us when there's actual danger, because it helps us, for example, run away from danger or fight danger effectively. But when there's no real danger, so for example, when we're taking a really important test, um, it's not so helpful for our body to go through this process because it can actually interfere if we're feeling really overwhelmed. 
So when I say interfere, I mean interfere with our performance where we start to uh, lose our ability to answer questions or focus on the test. It's also really important to note that when we're anxious, we're also making a couple of thinking mistakes or cognitive distortions. We will often overestimate threat, but at the same time, we underestimate our ability to cope or handle the threat. So anxiety um, can often interfere with our performance when we're making these thinking mistakes. And I know, as, uh, as we mentioned, that we do have some other episodes that really dig in deep when uh, talking about anxiety and what it does to our body. But that was a, a great review. So thank you for that, Dr. Layla. So now let's move into some of the more specific ideas for helping with test anxiety. So when we think about setting ourselves up for success, one of the things that's really important is talking about those three anchors that we often discuss on the coping toolbox. So sleep, exercise, and eating. So obviously just having these things in place ahead of time is always important. Managing our sleep, making sure that we're getting enough sleep, um, exercising, just the physical activity is gonna be good for us. And then just our eating habits, all of these things are gonna help us in many different ways. When we think more specifically about the coming up onto the test and sort of the, the days and weeks before the test happens, we really wanna make sure that we're prepared as possible when approaching the test or the exam. So we wanna know things like where the test is gonna be, the time of the test, the format of the questions, the material that we're gonna be covering, we also want to think about how we're studying and so it is important we're going to feel more confident and therefore less anxious if we're prepared ahead of time and we're studying ahead of time and that will help to reduce the anxiety. What you ideally want to do, although this is not always possible, is work towards spreading your studying out over time. So you really, again, you want to be aware of what content is going to be important early on in your semester and really kind of focusing on the important content. And you want to be able to spread this out over time so that you're not cramming right before the test. And you don't want to have that feeling like you don't have enough time as the test approaches. So again, it's just ways to kind of prevent some of the anxiety from building up. The other thing that's really important is making sure that you take study breaks. So it really depends on the person. It depends on your age and your ability to focus. But typically something along the lines of maybe studying for 50 minutes, um, 5050, um, and then having a 10 minute break, or maybe um, in, during your break, you might want to have a little snack or do some stretching and then getting back into things. And when we take those breaks, it will help us to study in a more efficient way. Um, I know there's some other things. So maybe Dr. Mary, you can tell us about some of the practical tips for the night before, or maybe even the day of the exam. Yeah, for sure. You know, like any other sort of performance um, situation, we always want to do our best to get a good night's sleep the night before because, again, that helps us with our performance. We also want to make sure that we eat enough, that we're eating something that's really nourishing, that makes our bodies feel good. If you are someone who drinks caffeine, you want to make sure that you're avoiding drinking too much because sometimes if we have too much caffeine, it can increase those feelings of anxiety and we might be a little bit more sensitive to it um, on the day of the test. Another little tip is to wear layered clothing. Um, we don't always know what the temperature is in the exam room is going to be like. And sometimes our bodies feel a little bit hotter, a little bit colder than usual when we're anxious. 
Um, one thing I always suggest for people who are writing tests is that when you actually do arrive at the testing facility, just try to do your best to find a quiet place to relax rather than hearing everyone around you talking about the test or getting pulled into discussions about things like, what did you study? Did you study this for the test? These things can really drive up our anxiety. So sometimes it's helpful just to, you know, kind of find a quiet spot to relax right before. That's a great point, Mary. And I even remember having, when I was in university, sometimes prior to tests or in particular big exams and hearing people, because they're often talking about some of the most difficult things that they study. So they're bringing up the hardest things and then you feel like, oh my goodness, I don't know enough about that. And that will drive up your anxiety right before the test, which yeah. like you say, you really want to try to avoid if you can. Yeah. Okay. So Dr. Layla, what about once you're in the testing situation? So you're sitting in the room and you have the test or the exam, what suggestions do you have for, for this? So here are a couple of suggestions that uh, may be helpful. So one is to do what we call a memory dump of the most important information as soon as you first sit down at your desk. So for example, perhaps turn to the back of the exam page and jot down some really important information that you're really anxious about forgetting. So for example, if it's a math test, maybe jotting down some important formulas. Um, as you're completing the test, it's a really good strategy to read through the exam and do the easy questions that you know the answers to first. So this helps to build your confidence. Um, it also helps with time management during an exam. So for example, sometimes we get bogged down by some of the harder questions and then we run out of time to finish. So it's a really good strategy for time management as well. You can also start with multiple choice questions or the true or false questions, and these sometimes help us gain clues that can help us answer some of the harder questions. It's a really good strategy to also take 30 second mini breaks while you're completing the exam just to help calm your nervous system down. So for example, use relaxation strategies like closing your eyes, taking some deep breaths, doing some stretching at your desk, uh, drinking some water that you brought with you. This can all help you calm down so you can perform. If you notice that your thoughts are racing, don't focus on getting rid of the anxiety um, too much because that might actually make it worse. Mentally yell the word stop in your brain to break the cycle or picture a big bright red stop sign. Take a 30 second break or focus on an object like a pen or a piece of jewelry that you have on you or something that just helps you distract yourself in the moment so that you can calm yourself down. Another strategy might be using a self-soothing action or a calming action. So for example, um, bringing a stone with you in your pocket and rubbing that stone might help you calm down. And then the other two strategies involve sort of using some positive self-talk or positive mantras. So for example, slowly repeating the phrase, I got this or I can do this and using affirmative self-talk. So saying things to yourself like, I'm okay, I'm safe, I will get through this. Um, no matter what happens today, I will be okay. As you were saying that too, I think even just normalizing that, that feeling that I'm sure we've all had where you get the test or the exam and right away you see a couple of those really difficult questions. And I know for me, that was always kind of a trigger for the anxiety, but just reminding myself that there's always gonna be some of those questions. And then I like what you said, Layla, where 
when you do some of the easier questions first, it sometimes will sort of trigger things too. And you might actually be able to answer some of those harder questions that you might've had more difficulty with if you tried to do those right from the beginning. So some really great ideas there. I think too, sometimes using strategies like test-taking strategies and learning some of these things beforehand can really help with the anxiety when we're actually in the moment. So things like, you know, if you're doing multiple choice, covering up the answers and trying to come up with your own answer before you look at them in case you're feeling anxious and you start to get confused or using things like process of elimination. So, you know, doing some work around test-taking specifically, I found for me that was also very helpful with the anxiety part as well. That's a great idea too, because it kind of builds your confidence. And as we were saying before, when you're feeling more confident, that helps in some ways to reduce the anxiety. So those are good. I like those ideas, Dr. Mary. Okay, so I also, I find one of the things that a lot of my clients talk about is the negative thoughts and how much sometimes those negative thoughts can interfere and create more anxiety. So I I'd like to talk a little bit about some strategies for challenging negative thoughts. So for thoughts that are powerful and sticky, I recommend that you work on them outside of the test experience. So these are not typically things you want to do right in the middle of the test, but rather ahead of time before if you typically get test anxiety or exam anxiety, you want to work on these things well before the test or the exam. And what you want to do is start to challenge the thoughts um, and really trying to figure out how best to challenge these thoughts. So one way of doing this is to, and I do this sometimes in session, but you take out a sheet of paper and on one side of the sheet of paper, you write out all your worry thoughts. So things like it could be, I'm going to fail, my mind's gonna go blank, the teacher's gonna think I'm stupid, whatever it happens to be. Um, and it doesn't matter whether or not you believe these thoughts, but thoughts that may come to mind during a test and you write out all the negative thoughts and then you flip it over and you think about what thoughts might be more helpful. So it might be things like I've done well in tests before, I've studied hard, even if I feel anxious, I can handle it. It might be some of those positive affirmations that Dr. Layla was talking about, but just things that are gonna be more helpful. And so that's kind of the first step. And it's interesting because often what I do find with my clients is that they don't actually have as many worries as they think they do. And so that can be a nice way just to get the worries out and realize, oh, there's not actually as many big worries as I thought. And once I see them on paper, they don't seem as huge or as upsetting as they seem when they're just kind of rolling around in my mind. So this is a good idea for trying to balance out our thoughts a little bit more, but sometimes the thoughts are even stickier. So we really have to work on challenging a particular thought. So for example, we may have the thought that really gets stuck there that I'm going to fail. And so some of the ways that we can challenge a thought, one of the things I like to do is just remind myself a thought is just a thought. So I don't actually have to do anything. So if that thought comes into my mind before a test and I think, oh my goodness, I'm gonna fail, I don't actually have to do anything. I can just allow that thought to be there. And just because I have that thought, it doesn't mean that the thought's actually true. So again, this idea that our thoughts are just thoughts, they're not actually facts. We also wanna think a little bit about what is the evidence that this thought is true? So if I think about the thought I'm going to fail, there's actually not a lot of evidence to support that. If I've studied hard and I'm prepared and I'm gonna do my best, the likelihood is probably that I'm not going to fail. 
We also, one of the things I have found helpful in the past is just thinking about previous experiences. Most of us will find that we usually do pass the test again, if we put in the effort and we work hard. So just reminding ourselves, usually in these situations, things do go okay. Another idea for challenging some of those negative thoughts is asking ourselves, what would I say to my friend in this situation? So if my friend was saying this, what are some ideas that I might say to them? Because often we can be more kind and, and empathetic when we're thinking about others. And usually we're a little more critical when we think of ourselves. So just kind of adding that piece in. Another thing, another idea we like to consider is just asking ourselves, am I con confusing possibility with probability? So yes, maybe there is a small possibility that I could fail, but the likelihood is actually that I'm going to be successful on this. It may be possible, but is it actually likely? And we just wanna question ourselves about that. Another idea that we sometimes look at is just what is the worst thing that could happen? And even if that worst thing happened, could we manage it? Could we handle it? So often we are catastrophizing and we think it's going to be awful and it's going to be terrible. But at the end of the day, even if we aren't successful with this particular test or this particular exam, we're still usually okay. So just reminding ourselves, even if the worst happens, I could still cope with it. And the last piece that I like to think about for thoughts that may be stressful or challenging is just wondering and thinking about, is this going to actually bother me in a week? or a month or a year. And usually when we look at it from a different time frame, we realize that it's not as much as big of a deal as it might feel like in that moment. And I just wanted to add to that, Dr. Janet, it is definitely something I often hear in sessions from especially my teen clients and sometimes my younger clients as well, is this worst case scenario thinking, like if I bomb this test, I'm never gonna achieve my long-term goals. Like I won't be you know, an engineer or a doctor or a veterinarian if I bomb this math test. And so really taking the time to think more rationally about the importance of that test, right? So everybody fails tests sometimes or gets a bad mark sometimes, and it generally has very little impact on our future. And that's true, especially in younger grades or high school, right? So it doesn't really play such an important role um, in our future career as much as we think it does in that moment. I think that's I think that's a really good point though, because for a lot of us, when we feel anxious, it's really hard to keep things in perspective. And it is easy to get into that sort of catastrophic thinking. And I notice that with a lot of my um clients as well, where they start to feel like one, you know, bad grade or one bad test, that that's going to write the story for the rest of their life. Um, so keeping things in perspective, I think is a really good point as well. And there's always opportunities to gain marks or increase your grade, right? Like, so if you bomb a test and you go speak to your teacher or professor, they often will allow some flexibility to make up your mark. Um, you know, worst case scenario, you fail an entire course in university, for example, you retake it and you do much better. So there's always opportunities to go back and correct that. Um, and so this yeah. worst case scenario hardly ever happens in reality. Those are great points. And uh, I, I'm thinking we're, we're talking a lot about some of the, the negative things and the challenging thoughts. So maybe we could switch gears a little bit now. And Dr. Mary, maybe you can share some ideas for positive self-talk and coping statements. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You know, these statements often are very personal or individual. So we really encourage everyone to find the things that work well for them. But some examples of positive self-talk or coping statements that we might use, they might be things like saying, you know, I studied hard. I can only ask myself to try my best. Even if I don't do well, it's not the end of the world. You really want to go into these situations keeping in mind that you want to do your best and we can, you know, do as much as we can to prepare and do the things that are in our control, but there also are going to be things that are out of our control, right? We're not writing the test. We're not grading the test. Um, so sometimes creating positive coping statements with that in mind can be helpful saying things like, you know what, I've done everything that's in my control. And it's going to be whatever it is. I don't have complete control over the outcome, but I'm going to do my best. Sometimes tests are hard. Sometimes they're long. Sometimes I have a bad day, you know, that kind of thing where we're just showing some kindness and compassion to ourselves, but also keeping in mind that we don't have control over the full situation. You really want to do your best going in, knowing that you've prepared as best as you can. And the final result ultimately is going to be whatever it is. And it's out of your hands at that point. As you're saying that it actually, it makes me think a lot about perfectionism and how perfectionism can get in the way um, of our abilities to take tests and how it can create more anxiety. So before we finish up, I actually thought maybe we could talk a little bit about perfectionism versus healthy striving. And so maybe Dr. Layla, if you don't mind, maybe you can tell us a little bit about perfectionism and, and what it is. For sure. So one of the main differences between perfectionism and healthy striving is that perfectionism is often externally driven by the question, what will others think of me? Um, so we often believe that we can avoid shame if we do everything exactly right in life. And you know, this perfectionist belief is often rooted in the belief that our worth or our value as a person is tied to our performance and that we aren't allowed to ever make mistakes, that we need to be perfect to be good enough. We don't allow any room for setbacks, mistakes, failures, and really nothing is ever good enough and the bar is set way too high to ever achieve. And a main difference between the two, so a difference between perfectionism and healthy striving is that one is realistic. In other words, healthy striving is realistic and achievable, but perfectionism is impossible to achieve. I know with my clients, I, I do see a lot of that perfectionism and I'm sure, actually, I mean, I think I can relate to a lot of those things that Dr. Layla was saying myself as well. And it's something that, you know, I think a lot of us do have to work on and work toward and the perfectionism really can get in our way of, of actually doing things. Do you both see some of that with your clients as well? Definitely see a lot of that. And I think making that distinction, it's a really nice way, what Dr. Layla was mentioning, it's a really nice way of, of not discouraging that sort of healthy ambition and, you know, people who are built that way, who are doing that healthy striving that you were talking about, but recognizing where it tips over into that realm of perfectionism in a way that's not actually motivating, that's not helpful for us, that actually is harmful for us. Right. So, so with the perfectionism, it really doesn't leave a lot of room for things like mistakes and errors. It's very focused mm -hmm. on, as Dr. Layla's, Layla was saying, is what others think of us and the desire to achieve or to impress others. 
And so when we're thinking more about the healthy striving, I like it because we have more control over that situation, right? It really is working to be mm -hmm. the best version of ourselves. It's much more internally driven. So more about us rather than other people. It actually, when we're trying to be the best version of ourselves, it allows us to be curious too, and to ask questions and to wonder and not be worried that we don't know the answer to everything. Um, the other thing with healthy striving is it it allows us to see mistakes and failures as opportunities to learn. So if I'm a perfectionist and I make a mistake, I feel like a failure. Whereas if I'm really working toward healthy striving and I make a mistake, I see that as, oh, this is an opportunity for something that I can learn, something maybe I can do better at next time. And it really kind of allows our own perceptions to determine what's the best version of us rather than it coming from other people. So I like to think of it as there's sort of a shift from, you know, being focused on do others think I am enough to really trusting and knowing that, yes, we are enough and embracing ourselves with all of the flaws that we have. I know we've often talked about all humans have flaws, and I think the more we can accept that, the easier it actually is for us to be successful. As we're speaking about perfectionism, I think one thing that's coming to mind is just the role of that parents may play in some of that. So Dr. Layla, maybe you can speak a little bit towards some ideas for, for parents or caregivers to help the children or the, the adolescents not to be so focused on the perfectionism and more to focus on healthy striving. Sounds great. So we know that sometimes um, perfectionism, which can lead to test anxiety, is related to, you know, um, in a way, just general personality traits or, you know, having a child who's kind of anxious prone. And so they might be more likely to develop perfectionism or test anxiety. But there's also a contribution made by um, caregivers and parents and adults around children, right? So we want to make sure that we're not overemphasizing their performance or their grades or pushing them too hard, especially past, you know, a level that they can achieve. Some kids do actually struggle academically too, right? And so when we put too much pressure on them, it can create the perfect storm for anxiety or perfectionism. Um, so really just making sure that we're emphasizing our praise on their effort and not on the outcome and making sure that we also allow um, acceptance around you know poor grades or underachieving and that sort of thing so if they bring if our kids bring home a not so great test mark not making a big deal out of it and really encouraging them okay well you know next time maybe i can sit down with you and we can you know work on understanding this better or uh, try again and so really emphasizing this uh, growth mindset and not um, spending too much time or focus on the outcome or the mark itself, because that can lead to more problems down the road for these kids. I think, um, too, another thing that parents can do to help, you know, just kind of model that healthy striving is through their own actions, too, because children often are watching what their parents do. And if parents are really, really hard on themselves because they didn't achieve whatever the outcome was that they sought to achieve, that's another thing just to keep an eye on that we also, you know, as parents treat ourselves with kindness and, you know, aim for that healthy striving instead of perfectionism so that we can model that for our kids. As you're saying that, Dr. Mary, what comes to mind for me is just really the, the self-compassion as well, right? And just making sure that we're being kind to ourselves. And it, that's a great point that you make, just the role modeling that as parents and caregivers, that role modeling is, is very important.
And a really good way to do that is as parents to verbally articulate that, right? Like, so let's say, we, you know, we're making a mistake. So in front of our children, actually verbally kind of working our way through that, like, oh, I really made a mistake today, or I didn't do such a yeah. great job at work or when I was doing this task. And, you know, um, that's okay. Everybody makes mistakes, right? And so our yes. children are listening and they're observing how we handle that. Um, and it really role models um, in a way that they can observe how to handle those stressors. Yeah, those are great ideas. So we're almost coming to the end. So I thought maybe Dr. Mary, you could share a few takeaways for the end of the episode for us. Of course. Yeah. I think, you know, summing up a lot of what we talked about today, um, the first takeaway would be just the importance of being prepared. And like we talked about, this refers to being both mentally prepared as well as physically prepared before the test or exam. We also want to remember to challenge those negative thoughts, not just, you know, not just believe what they're telling us, but challenge some of those negative thoughts or just accept that the thought is just a thought. Um, but remembering that sometimes we need to start doing this before the exam day. Finally, I would say that we want to try to focus on striving to do well, but doing so in a healthy way instead of trying to be perfect. Excellent. So thank you so much, Dr. Mary and Dr. Layla for today. And thank you as always to all of our listeners, and we'll be sure to post some helpful links to the episode.